thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the Urban Sports Scene. Detroit players, Tim's for my hooligans in Brooklyn. Dead right, get the head right, Biggie there, and I. Papa been school since days of under rules. Never lose, never choose to. Bruce Cruz, who? Do something to us, talk goes to us. Girls want to us, wanna do us, screw us, who us? Yeah, Papa and Pop. Close like Starsky and Hutch, stick to clutch. Yeah, I squeeze three at your cherry M3, bang every MC easily. Recently, frontin' ain't saying nothing, so I just. My peace, keep my peace, Cubans with the Jesus peace, with you. my peace, packing, asking who want it, get on it, flaunt it, that Brooklyn book, we on it. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T, Ray Jeezy. Can y'all believe it? It's been 24 years since Biggie passed, man. What's going on, fellas? Can y'all believe it, though? 24 years? No, no. No, man, no. I, I woke up today, I looked at the calendar, I was like, March 9th, I was like, wow. Wow, you know, it's a, I, rem- I remember actually the where I was and when I heard it. You know, I'm not going to go through all the details now, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember when I heard it, I, I was in 11th grade, mm. you know, yeah. a long time ago. I know, right? Ray, can about yourself, man? 24 years, bro? <laughs> No pleasantries today, dog. Twenty four years, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, while it's a significant event in the hip hop community, for me personally, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's unfortunate because he was so talented, as well as Tupac. They're always going to be linked together because of their untimely deaths and because of their beef. But it's been twenty four years. I don't really pay attention to the anniversaries. Of events like this, <laughs> just being real. At least you keep it in one hundred. That's I mean, it's I just can't believe it's twenty. It's been twenty four years. I've just felt like it was yesterday. You know what I mean? That we lost both of those individuals. But you know, this is Biggie's day. But twenty four years, it's it's crazy how time flies. It is, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But <laughs> I would say what's going on. You know, but Ray doesn't like that type of dialogue. No, you know no, it's not bad. I'm not it's going not to bad. even say that, Ray. You know what I mean? Not going to say what's going on. Not gonna do any of that, dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But I'm confused. I'm just confused <laughs> about something. Go ahead. So why did 17 million people tune in to watch Oprah interview Meghan Markle and Harry? I don't I'm care about confused. the royal family, bro. But yeah, go ahead. I don't. It's, it's I, something don't. I don't even. It's get something. It. And, yeah, it's something else. I'm confused about. Why did you leave England? To escape racism, you came to America. That's also confusing to me too. But I mean, teach his own. Yeah, you know, that's something. It's crazy because you see. Go ahead, go ahead, Ray. My bad. Oh, I wasn't gonna say anything except that I did not watch that interview and I did not watch the All Star Game either. So I boycotted both of those significant events. I'm sure the the interview got more viewers than the All Star Game, though. Yeah, I mean, evidently keep, the the rating for the All Star Game was pretty good. Yeah, I heard it was pretty good too. Uh, did anybody watch Coming to America? I have a lot. I of watched it. Nope. Oh my god! Nope. You like a Ray? Did you I, like it? I did. Uh, the first one was much better. I mean, obviously. But I was a fan of. I'm a fan of the of the movie, mm-hmm. so I guess that, that means I'm a fan of the franchise. But mm-hmm. if I'm being a real film critic, it was whack for real. But yeah. because I'm a fan. I enjoyed it. I, I'm on the I'm on I'm on the same path that you're on. Would you? Why are you watching? Will you you're, you're, you're boycotting that? You know, uh, or just no? Two reasons. One, the rating is PG-13. So, uh, I, yeah. I, there's a trend. Whenever Eddie Murphy is in a movie mm. and if they go for the family friendly PG-13 rating, it just isn't good. It really isn't that family um, friendly though, bruh, bruh. Real talk, FYI, it's not that fan. It's not that family and friendly. Second, and the set and you know the second this. May sound like hating, but two words: King your birth. Um, it's not a fan of his work. You know what? I forgot that he did this. Um, till like till maybe to actually today, I didn't know that he was the one. I forgot that he was. The, I I remember seeing it initially because I do I do like some of his work. 
Uh, but yo, yo, just like Ray said, I'm a I'm a fan of Eddie Murphy. I'm a fan of greatness. I just think that anything that Eddie touches, typically, you know, you know, if he, you know, if he puts time into it, it turns out to be a, a good product. Uh, so like Ray, just being a fan of the franchise, a fan of Eddie Murphy, but I just felt like without I'm not ruining it for you, Will. I just felt like it was lazily done. Um, I thought and, and, and to I'm, me and to a point, I'll say this much: in an era, and this is not being biased or anything. It's just that in an era of like in the '80s, there weren't as many African like black African actors or African like or African descended in terms of their parents being from Africa, actors or comedians, and you have that now. In, like in this particular point in time in our era and i just didn't feel like there were enough i mean like you had roaching me from power have he was in the movie but did absolutely nothing like he was mute michael blackston too yeah same thing same, like michael blackston same thing and and you could have had godfrey who's a who's actually doing it on social media as a, as a comic he was not in he wasn't even in the fit in the flick and you had other dude you had other individuals that i felt like didn't really bring anything to the table that had main had had main roles who aren't originals that were like weak. Mm. In a moment of self awareness, <laughs> was the Kenya burst? Was that criticism a little bit too harsh? No, I mean everybody has their opinion. There's a lot of folks that don't like him. To be honest with you, I, I've 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 heard that. So I don't. Okay, well, yeah. I, I, listen. I just wanted to make sure. You know, sometimes you know I, I'm I'm. Very reflective, and I, you know, I was that a little bit too harsh, but hey, it's just my opinion. It is what it is. Yeah, so. this folks I don't like. They don't matter where you from, where you come from. You may not like them. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Tune in iHeartRadio and Google uh, Podcast. Uh, just search the Urban Sports Scene. Tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, Sports Bloggers, Sports Podcasters, and Sports Debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition of pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about the Washington football team franchising guard Brandon Sheriff. At 820, we'll, we'll talk about what to expect from the Washington Wizards after the All-Star break. At 835, we'll discuss the NBA. We'll recap the NBA All-Star game. Finally, um, we'll talk about Dak Prescott signing his new deal with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but first, it was announced that the Washington football team placed a non-exclusive franchise tag on guard Brandon Sheriff for the second for the second consecutive season. Uh, this move gives the team until July 15th to work a long-term deal. If they don't, uh, they must pay him $18 million in 2021. Uh, was this the right move for your organization for this for this organization? I'll start with uh, Ray. Brothers, if Scott Turner is going to develop as an offensive coordinator and a play caller, having a strong offensive line will be essential, bro. And that starts with Brady Sheriff. It may sound weird that I'm sort of diverting focus to the offensive coordinator, but due to Scott Turner being unproven, at this point, the Washington football team is going to have to invest heavily in the offense. I mean, this offseason, the focus is going to have to be on the offensive line. It's going to have to be a receiver. We know now that Dak is coming back, and Dak has a brand-new deal, which is going to make the division a little bit stronger. And you know, as currently constructed, the Washington offense can't outscore anybody. The defense, of course, is pretty good, but leaving them on the field for extended periods, it was detrimental this season. So aside from turnovers being an issue, you have to fix your offense, especially on third down. Third down efficiency was terrible. In the Arizona game, Washington rushed for 100 yards, over 100 yards, but they were only 4 of 12 on third down. Against B-Moore, same thing, 4 of 13 third down. And that critical Carolina game late in the season, 7 of 15 on third and 1 of 3 on fourth down. As a team last season, they rushed the ball pretty well, over four yards of carry, 1,600 yards plus as a group. But still, not a lot of production in terms of points and, again, on the critical downs and in, in, in clock management. So you have to start building your foundation. I think it's an offensive line. And that starts with Brandon Sheriff, who is awesome in the run game and also in the screen game. That's going to open up more opportunities. And, again, you'll be a better man as the clock and hopefully preserve your strong defense. Will? That was, a, that was an amazing opinion, Ray. Amazing. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm not being I know, I know, I, know, I, I know. think it was. I know. It was well thought out. Um, 
uh, paying Brandon Sheriff $18 million, uh, I, while I do understand the, the importance that he plays in as a guard on the offensive line and in the larger construct overall for that Washington football team offense, um, I think that's a bit too pricey. Um, but I understand that that is going right. Um, one thing that's interesting to me is you, you said it's a non-exclusive tag, correct? Yeah, non-exclusive. Yeah, so this gives him the opportunity to negotiate with other teams. Yeah. And then if a, he signs with another team, then there'll have to be some type of compensation worked out. Mm-hmm. But I don't see a team giving up a first-round pick for a guard Yeah. Um, or, or multiple picks for a guard mm-hmm. um, for that fact. But um, this is something that Washington they had to do. He does play a very integral role on that uh, offensive line. And he also will play a very integral role in the development of a rookie quarterback if Washington decides to draft one or one of the younger guys that they have on a on the, um, younger guys they have on a roster, meaning Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I just think it's a good move uh, because – it's time to take care of your own for years. We've watched this team value outside free agency, a uh, free agents. Um, um, it, it's growing up watching this football team. And a lot of fans have had issue issues with this team, you know, trying to, to always get a high price gun rather than like paying their own. And you had players who walked out the building who stated that uh, state stated that same thing. So it's refreshing to me to see that you got to, you have a guy that you drafted, you cultivated. Uh, he's one of the best guards in football, not just just an average guard. He's one of the best guards in football, and you're rewarding him to a point. I think that's something that you you should take care of your own when you have somebody who plays who plays at a high level, not a guy who's just good or average or just you know does certain things to be effective. We're talking about one of the better guards in all of the NFL. So um, if my my my, my I've heard a lot of people on Twitter who aren't a fan of paying a guard. I'm like somebody would pay this this dude. A certain a, a high a high amount because he's one of the best guards in football. They would pay him a high amount, but would they pay him on a starting salary of eighteen million dollars? Yeah, against the cap is the question. Yeah, it depends what team. I think there there will be a team. I'm, I don't know what team. That's the question, right? Because it depends. It's a bidding war, it's negotiation. So you're bidding off of the need for a player like Brandon Sheriff, who's young and. And again, like I mentioned, one of the better guards, one of the best guards in football. Not you could arguably say he's the best guard in football, but he's that he's that good. So, I mean, there's there's going to be some depending on what two teams are vying for him. He can raise the price. I'm not sure. I'm not going to say 18 mil, but he can raise it close enough. I mean, we've yeah, seen but, players. But, we've seen players who we've seen players who are overpaid throughout the NFL. But yeah, we have. But going into a season where there's a reduction in the amount of cap. Um, the cap number, do you necessarily want to spend $18 million on a guy and that number could represent, uh, I don't know, what, um, 2%, 3%, up, up maybe 5% of your cap? I mean, if you're the Washington... I don't know if that's yeah. necessarily a, yeah. a prudent investment. Yeah, if you're the Washington football team, you do because you're not good enough to let good players walk out the building. Um, that's always my look at it. If you're, when you're a good team, when you're a team like the Patriots have been over X amount of years, or you're a team like the, the mm-hmm. Saints or whoever, Philly, Philly, even in division, mm-hmm. when you're that good, then you can let certain players walk out. But when you're a team that just to be honest with you, isn't consistent, isn't that good of a football team to let good players go walk out, then yeah, you should. That's like, I get but why good teams do it. I don't get why bad teams do it. But that's the thing. The good teams, you know, the historically great organizations aren't paying their guard $18 million. Yeah, but then, yeah, I agree. But they're that's keeping those players, though. The things they're keeping those players. Like, you can't name, like, a team that's been starting who's or trying to build something. They don't typically let a good a good player walk out. Like, they don't. They make it gets no. to a point when they win, then they'll let the player walk. Especially if they're young. Like, I get they're an older player than yes. But when they're young and they're playing at a high level, you can't really think of a, a team that's done that. I mean, I can't think of a team that's done, that's done that, put it that way. Well, I, I think there are cases of organizations who um, look at the value, look at a player, what position he plays, mm. look at the amount of money they want to dedicate from a cap perspective towards that position, and then they make 
the hard decision to say, okay, he's great, he's elite, he's one of the best, but he plays the guard position, which is a position we don't we we feel there are adequate other um replacements for mm-hmm. so let's trade them. Let's tag them and let's trade them. That's yeah, I'm so not, that, yeah, that's, that's possibly hard. another option. That's a good yeah, that's, and because, that's a fair I mean, option. Mm-hmm. No, I think what I think what Wole is saying is that once you have a sustained period of success, then you can start making moves like that. But for now, they got to keep their best players here because they're trying to build off of what they hopefully established last season. Now, the example I can think of of a bad team that's trying to do it like the Patriot way is the Oakland Raiders, or I'm sorry, the Vegas Raiders. You see all the moves that Gruden has made, but it has not worked out yet. And I think he, he moved a bit too quickly and did not allow him himself to have some success first before he started making these moves. He's kind of going off of his name. Uh, Coach Rivera doesn't even have as high a profile name, so I don't believe that he would even attempt to make some of these moves. But I also feel as though he's being very strategic. I said this weeks ago, he's keeping a lot of moves, a lot of strategies to, close to his vest. He's not really putting out there – what the, the the team is planning on doing this all season, but I, I do think it's a good move keeping Brandon Sherman. But like you pointed out, it may not may not actually work out to where he stays here. But yeah. I, I think he should. And to Will's point, I though, think you make the investment. I, and to Will's point, though, I do like the, the the point that he made about now if there there's a team that is willing to you know give up a pick or whatever. Of course, yeah, you got to You do that's what that has to go down. So it may, so it does work to you will you should be willing to let a player like that go if you're going to get a certain type of compensation. I I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Uh, there's a we have a tweet by uh, Dejon Bailey. He said in terms of the in terms of if it was a great move for the organization, he says yes, but only if they soon get if a long term deal done. But I fear this is Kirk Cousins all over again. Yeah. Oh, it's, def- it's definitely Kirk Cousins all over again. This is the second year he- he'll be tagged. So um, essentially, if they don't work out a deal, they wouldn't even – I don't even think they would have the discussion of tagging him um, next year because mm-hmm. it would be 44% yeah. of a 44% raise over what he got this year. Mm-hmm. So a 44% increase over $18 million. Um, so him – you look, Dak Prescott – Kirk Cousins, um, Brandon Sheriff, these are guys who are doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. They are making it that they're going to say, okay, I believe in myself. I'm going to invest. I'm going to get, I'm going to get tagged for twice, you know, um, and essentially once you tag me twice, if you try to tag me a third time, I don't think you would possibly do it because you would owe me a 44% increase over the last, over the last, the salary of my last year of my contract. So I think they're doing it the right way, but I do understand those guys who don't take that chance because football is a very physical sport. No, I I think so. I think they're doing the right way. Um, I do hope I do believe they're going to work hard to get a long term deal. Uh, it's a deal. It's something they need to get done. Um, hopefully, something that's respectable for both parties. Because again, he's <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Hopefully. Uh, because he is a guard, you know he's a guard. That's I I, I I struggle with this too because I never when I look at guards, I'm like they're valuable, but you can get a guard. But when you got a player who's playing at a high level, he's all pro. Yeah, he's all pro. It's yeah. just hard to like you know. And again, you're at a situation, you're at a point when you're not. Your this team isn't good enough to let good players walk. That's just my whole way of thinking. Yeah, you you're, know what I mean? That that's a that's a fair point. Well, like you're not good enough to let good players walk, but you also aren't good enough to invest. $18 million in one player at the guard position. Mm-hmm. If it's not a high-impact player, such as quarterback, such as um, left tackle, such as pass rusher, mm-hmm. such as corner, or, or de- you know, a yeah, pass rusher, or, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, I just don't necessarily think that it's the most prudent investment. Yeah. But what do I know? I'm just a I'm just an average Joe on the street. Bro, you're smarter than that. Don't, 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 don't ever shortchange yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what you, that's what fo- most folks fight, fight with this whole thing. It's more your football sense tells you it's a guard. Come on, bro. But you know, again, you, when you look at the team, it's like, it's, you, you look at it, you look at it differently because of this team. So that it, it is what it is. It's something they're going to have to work it out. But I am, I do like the, I do like the decision to franchise them. So anyway, 
Uh, we'll talk about what we expect from the Washington Wizards post All-Star break after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene. For ages. You dig? Deuces. Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. To all my peoples in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. Shake it, shake it. it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born you center, are listening to the urban sports scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole. The All Star game. The All-Star game is over, and the Washington Wizards have their next game tomorrow night, I believe, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, what do you expect to see from the Wizards post-All-Star break? Let me start with uh, Ray. What I first want to see from the fans, I'll say, is please let's stop looking at the schedule and trying <laughs> to figure out who the Wizards can beat and who they can't. The schedule does not matter. They're good enough to beat anybody, but they often lose to the teams that you think they are defeat orlando is a is a great example of a team that you think washington should defeat but for whatever reason they have not been able to beat the magic in the last six tries but they're 2-0 against brooklyn they've beaten the lakers they've beaten the clippers they've beaten the blazers they have beaten a lot of good teams. they've beaten boston so let's throw that out but this memphis team is a tough is a tough tough matchup for washington and they play so well defensively against bradley bill how is Scott Burst going to make an adjustment in order to set the tone for his team coming out of this all-star break? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing because Memphis dominated you in Washington right before the all-star break. So, Coach Brooks, if you're trying to save your job, which I feel right now he's getting comfortable, and I wouldn't do that if I were him because the jury is still out on his job and his job status. Although, of course, we like the moves, mainly with Garrison Matthews being in the starting lineup. So, Keith, Keep that starting lineup. Go with what's been working. As the old saying goes, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But as a coach, you have to continue to evolve. We're seeing what the Knicks are doing. They're getting stronger. When you see teams like that starting to come up, when you see a team like Indiana looking as though they're going to get healthy and get Karis LeVert back, you have to be watching. You have to be ready. You have to make adjustments. So you also have to take, take advantage of opportunities such as Philly possibly being without two of their stars this week. Even just one is great. So I'm looking to, to see what Scott Brooks does as a coach over this last stretch of the season. Will? I, I'm looking I, – I am anticipating an improved Washington Wizards um, team. Here's why I think that uh, this team is starting to get healthy. As mm-hmm. Ray alluded to, they made uh, a key change to their uh, starting lineup with um, adding Matthews into the lineup. Um, and then one thing I'm definitely interested in seeing is with a healthy team, how does Bradley Bill lead, right? And from the perspective of, you know, the first half of the season, this team was really banged up. They're still without Thomas Bryant. But with a relatively healthy roster, does Bradley Bill produce at the level that he has and it, and it uh, translates to wins or does he put up kind of empty stats like a guy, you know, this is, well, this, this isn't really bashing him, but like a Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony mm. Towns, we all know, is a guy who puts up amazing stat lines, but it doesn't translate to wins. Will Bradley Bill continue to average 33 points and this, uh, turns, and this, uh, turns into more W's or does he, you know, produce that level of scoring, but the team, um, it translates to win to, to more wins for the team. So interested in seeing that. Uh, on Twitter, my man at Just Blaze uh, from the above the above the rim podcast. What's up, my man? Uh, he tweeted, "I expect them to at least get into the play to play in tournament for the playoffs at at the very least." Uh, so 
I, I think the Wizards have a good shot to get into the playing game in the playoffs. I mean, I, to Ray had mentioned, there are some teams that are getting healthier. What's going to make it a little bit difficult because I feel like the East is getting a little bit better um, because of in, individuals are getting healthier. But the Wizards, if we're going off of play uh, for what we saw previous to the All-Star break, uh, just like Ray mentioned, they could beat anybody. Um, and they're playing, they're playing basketball well, at a, at a, at a, at a nice, at a nice level. And they're playing hard. I think that's very important. And most teams don't play hard. Um, they got a Grizzlies, they got a Grizzlies team that's going, is a tough, a tough team because it's not just all about, you know, the talent. Cause we know about John Morantz. Uh, they got, uh, Wislow, Wislow is back. Um, so that, that team is getting a little bit better, but it's, it's just going to be a little tough, tough because that team plays hard. Like the Wizards play hard. So both teams play hard. And it's a, it's going to be an effort basketball <laughs> game. I know it's funny. I when I said that, it just sounded funny, but it's going to be an effort <laughs> basketball game. Uh, but all in all, we're looking at for what this Wizards team has done. And we got, and we, and we're now, we're looking at it to, we're, we're now, we're projecting it to the future. Um, this team, just because they've shown that they can beat anybody, it brings a level of confidence. So they should be able to, to compete with any basketball team that's on that schedule. Um, just uh, refresh my memory. Uh, how many games out does a team have to be from the A spot to get into the playing game? You just have to be if, the temp if seed, anyone right? knows, I don't know. It's right. You just have to be a temp seed, right, Ray? So the seventh and eighth seed are going to are, are going to play, and the ninth and tenth seed are going to play in this kind of playing tournament. It's very weird yeah, the we, format. Yeah, <laughs> but basically, if you're in that top ten. Those last four seeds, you're basically vying for that, for those last two playoff spots, which is, like I said, it's so weird. Me and Wally were looking at it actually a couple, a couple of days ago, and we were scratching our heads as to why it was set up like this. But it does give them a chance, and it's amazing that some have said this is Washington's ceiling, but I feel as though, at, like, 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 uh, the comment we had, that's the, that's the least they should do. But considering how tight the race is right now, they can easily climb into the top, the top four, top six. Uh, I don't think so, but you know that's just my opinion. Um, I'm looking oh, at they may not. The right. Yeah, yeah I, I think the Wizards are 12th in the East. Yeah, it's 12th right uh, now. You know, yeah, at seven is Charlotte. At eight is Toronto. Toronto may slip out um, of the AC, but you still have Chicago. Yeah. You still have Indiana, and you still have Atlanta. Don't um, don't undersell the transition from Lloyd Pierce to Nick McMillan as the coach for yeah, Atlanta. I, I that agree. Atlanta team is very talented. It's young. Better. It's talented. Um, yeah, it's very young, very yeah. talented team. Um, the Indiana Pacers, uh, as Ray stated, Karis LeVert, they get Karis LeVert back. That's still a very talented team. Mm-hmm. The Chicago team has played very well despite the injuries that they have. Um, and Zach Levine, and also, um, what's his, uh, Thaddeus Young, that team's, that team's starting to click. No, I, I, I think, so. yeah, to, to what, I, I feel like there are teams that, I think Toronto's gonna get better. I, I just feel like they're coached well. I'm a, I'm a big believer in coaching. Um, I think Charlotte can drop. I do think Charlotte could drop. Uh, it's, it's definitely possible. Um, though I do like some of the, the pieces, but they could drop. Um, Atlanta, I do like. I, I'm with you, Will, about Atlanta, but I still think the way the way the Wizards are playing, there's an opportunity to definitely move up because they've. We all know in basketball, like all you got to do is show it, and if you start to believe and look at what the Wizards have done to with good teams, like Ray mentioned, they beat Brooklyn twice, so they have the confidence to go out mm-hmm. and feel like they can beat anybody. They beat the Lakers, mm-hmm. they beat Denver. And they didn't beat it, and it wasn't mm-hmm. forget the Lakers situation because the Lakers were like it was conf- they beat they beat LeBron, so they should be confident about that. But you beat Denver twice, and that team was healthy; it wasn't missing anybody for real. They had the Joker, they had they had Murray, and they mm-hmm. still beat both. They still beat them twice, so they're gonna go there. They they should feel when they see a team on the schedule, there is nobody they can feel. They should know there's nobody on the schedule they can feel. They should feel inferior to. You know what I mean? Because they beat the Clippers exactly. too. I'm sorry, and they beat the Clippers. They shouldn't feel inferior to any yep. team I, on on the any team on the schedule. Meaning that, so they should. They're capable. My thing is, they're cap- They're very capable. It's, it's capable, a mentality. But I, yeah, but I have one reason why it won't happen. One hundred and nineteen. That number represents the amount of points that the Wizards give up per game. One hundred and it's getting better though, Will. I, 
You know, I'm not gonna, it's actually getting better. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I understand that, but but that's that's the second most points in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They give up the second most points um, in the <laughs> NBA, um, only behind only behind the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if defensively, if this team doesn't get better, um, really lock in. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a world of trouble, especially with they 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 have um, that improved though. Will dang on defense, I understand they, they have that. That's that's true. I, I'll give you that, but they still give up 119 points per game, and you have uh, three teams in front of you that I believe are, from a talent perspective, and also, um, yeah, I'm not going to necessarily say all of them are better coached than them, but I, I believe from a talent perspective, are better than the Washington Wizards. Who? Uh, Chicago. Do they talent better Chicago? You think Chicago's more talented? You think so? Yes. Whoa. See, I think Zach Levine. See, I, okay, so I would argue that. Look, see, that I would at, argue. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at Chicago's roster. Thaddeus Young. Okay. I, I, at, I like the kid from North Carolina. Look, look at, look at I like, Atlanta. I like the kid. Look from at Atlanta's roster. I give you Atlanta. Hold on, hold on. Let's stick with Chicago for a minute. Let's stick with Chicago for a minute. So, so from top to bottom, they have a better roster than the Wizards, right? That's what you're saying. Yes, I think they have more talent. On their roster. I don't know. Yeah. See, I'll argue that. That I would argue. That I would argue. Yeah, I do like. Who? Like, that's on traffic. No, he's talking. He's talking. About, I know he's talking about. Uh, what's the kid from North Carolina? The guard. I like him though. I do like him. Kobe White. Kobe, Kobe White. White. Yeah, Kobe White is good. Yeah, he said Kobe White. So it's Kobe White, Zach Levine. You got a kid from Florida State, the rookie who's playing Williams, right? Patrick Williams. Yeah, Williams. Who's, Patrick he's, Williams. He's, yeah, he's Thaddeus solid. He's still young. I just see Daddy is young to me. He's a role player. Okay. I don't. I don't hold Daddy. He's a good player, but I don't look at him as somebody that. Push you because I can find a wizard that's a good role player. Um, I get okay, okay, I, but okay, you you make that point. But if the if Chicago were willing to trade Thaddeus Young, yeah. I guarantee you a contender would definitely. trade the first round pick I, for Thaddeus. I don't know, oh, he's strong. Definitely, he's strong. no, 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 definitely. I think Thaddeus Young is he good. plays his role. No, no, give uh, It's the same. It's the same thing I talk. Thaddeus Young. All right, players like Thaddeus Young are way more valuable on a winning team. Like like a, a championship team, they're way more valuable on a championship team. I've said that there's certain see, players. See, I see. I would argue. I I would argue because, yeah, I I think he has value on any team you put him yeah. on. Because here's why: mm-hmm. if you look at the Bulls roster, this a relatively young. I'm not gonna say relative. So relatively speaking, it's a yeah. relatively inexperienced roster, mm-hmm. right? But with a, a a vet like Thaddeus Young, who has been around the league, who knows how to prepare himself, who knows how to watch tape, who knows how to do the things on the court and off the court to prepare himself for um, an opponent and for those stretch, you know, for those stretches of maybe uh, five games in seven days. He's key yeah. to helping that young, to helping to help inform that, you know, the culture within a young locker room. Mm-hmm. No, I'm no, I, no. Yeah, I, I go think ahead, that, go, Ray. Oh, go, go no, Ray, go, go. Just, just real quick, it, it's a great argument. A lot of people have been saying this to me lately that the Wizards lack talent, and I don't, I don't believe that. I think it's how the talent is utilized exactly. by the coach. I think it all exactly. comes down to Brooks. Real talk, because exactly. Denny is a lot better than what than what he's been utilized. Rui is the one that is really being underutilized. That is driving me crazy. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm frustrated. But like I said, it's a great argument. I'm not here to sit here and go back and forth about. Daddy is showing the Bulls, uh-huh. Atlanta, whoever. But as we know, it's about how you play as a team. But Dame has the, the Blazers, or Terry Stotts has the Blazers playing well no matter who's on the floor. So it's about the coach. That, that's what it comes down to me for Washington over this stretch. And hopefully this will determine Scott Brooks' standing moving forward because that's the downside, I think, if they turn it around even further uh-huh. over the last stretch of the season is that – Scott Brooks may be brought back yeah. for, for for more years, which I feel is it's not going like to get them to a place where they could win a championship or even come close to that, yeah. because he just hasn't produced on the defensive end as a coach and as as a one that's managed his personnel. It's just weird his lineups at times. I, I don't understand it, which is why they struggle on defense. Yeah, it's definitely looking like it. Um, so on Facebook, Corey uh, about what to expect from the Wizards uh, t- uh, posted. Playing with more confidence and Russ hopefully improving free throws and never having to get the hack a shack treatment again. <laughs> He's getting the hack a shack. He's not getting the hack a shack treatment, is he? 
I don't believe so. Don't now let's not miss something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know he's not shooting. Nah, he's not. He's not. He just attacks. He attacks. He gets to the. He gets to the foul line. Bottom line. Yeah. People hate on Russ. I didn't realize how much Russ hate was out there till now. I mean, even in in, in this stretch where the Wizards have played better, yeah, I'm seeing that Russ has just been less. He's been less bad. That's what someone posted today. Uh, I said, "Wow, uh, uh, people got too much hate in their souls. They need to. They need to. They need to stop." All right, we'll provide <laughs> our thoughts on on NBA All Star Sunday after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Thing. You dig? Deuces. <laughs> Listening to the urban sports scene with Ray, Wole, and Will T. In in the NBA All-Star game, uh, Team LeBron defeated Team Kevin Durant 170-150. to 150. The Greek Freak won the Kia Kobe Bryant MVP award. He had 35 points. Uh, he was 16 for 16 from the field. Dude, was per- he was perfect, bro. Like, perfect. All right, we're... A Will or Ray, whatever. Were you entertained? I know Ray, you didn't watch it, but Will, were you entertained with what you saw in the All Star game? Uh, not really. Mm -hmm. Um, of the game, no. I I watched half of the first quarter, um, and then I, you know, I I like the way the format that they're going with. You know, each quarter is like you're competing for just that quarter, highest score for that quarter, Mm -hmm. but it was still. Um, no defense. Uh, it was a glorified pickup game. Yeah. You know, or I, and I, and I just decided I'm not going to waste my time with it. So what did you all think about yeah. the whole, the whole HBCU movement? We, we all went to HBCUs. How, you know, this, this all star game it. was for HBCUs. Uh huh. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. You know, um, bringing attention to, you know, historically black colleges and universities across the nation, making them the beneficiary of um beneficiary of the monetary um you know uh, of the um excuse me of the award monetary award. Um I love that part of it. I also love that it um brought uh it you know it, it brought notoriety to HBCUs. Um so it for that 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 perspective of it it was great and that's part of the reason why I tuned in to watch it. Mm. Um, but I usually don't watch all star games for the you know, for the reasons that I stated, it's just a glorified pickup game. Um, you know, if they continue the path of supporting HBCU, you know, I'll at least look at it for half a quarter at least. But if they don't, <laughs> oh. you know, I have no Will T. I have no desire to watch it. Yes. Will T, can I ask you a question, brother? And and I like yes. this too, by the way. Um, I love all the attention that HBCUs are getting mm. at this point in time. Even though it's sad that it took some tragedies to get Bruh. here, but we're here nonetheless. Yeah. And we've <laughs> talked we've talked for months. The three of us have talked for months about how we we saw this coming. Or we saw that HBCUs are about to have a resurgence, especially when it comes to sports. But what I want to say is, Will, the Washington football team got criticized because many felt like the hires they were making and some of the moves they were making was like for PR reasons. 
And I feel as though the NBA definitely used HBCUs to get people to tune in because it wasn't a popular decision to hold All-Star Weekend. They sent out over 300 mm-hmm. de- cease and desist letters to clubs saying, you can't use our name for parties. We don't want people gathering in large numbers. But yet you bring the All-Star game, you, you change the location to Atlanta. Like, I, I feel like the NBA just botched this one, and I do feel like they use black folks. And this happens in the media so often. Although, like I said, I, I'm not going to say I disliked it, but I do think it's a motive there that is not necessarily a healthy one. What do you think? I I, I do agree with you. Um, okay. Well, so I agree with you on certain aspects of it. Um, okay. So I don't know what went into the planning of, you know, was it a, a conversation where we're going to have an all-star game? And then it was, we're having, we're having an all-star game. Then you had the negative press, negative feedback. Then you said, oh, but we're going to do it for HBCU, right? Or was it, you know, one of, was it those things were planned simultaneously? So that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to speak on that. Um, but on the other hand, I do agree with you from a public health perspective. Um, we listen, there's, Adam Silver, everyone in the NBA office knows that the type of atmosphere that the All-Star game brings, right? Yep. What brings and what comes with it. Mm-hmm. Whether people, whether promoters and club owners are allowed to use your name or not, mm-hmm. it still is going to bring partying. It's partying, nonstop partying around the clock. Now, they did a great thing by isolating the players and showing the players didn't have a lot of, um, media uh a a lot of media responsibilities that they had to do you know running around atlanta going to different places um they weren't allowed to go to parties they weren't they were essentially they came in i believe saturday afternoon and pretty much isolated into the game but um you know just to get back on point um it's not necessarily the most prudent or smart thing to do for you to have an all-star weekend and yep. with the public health, with the pandemic, it, I, I just don't think it was the most responsible thing to do. But I understand why. But I, I respect the cause that they that they set out to support. And they did in they, and they did in Atlanta, which I mean, they already, we already know it was. They, it is what it is. Uh, I, I mean, it, it is. What it I is. mean, outside of out Atlanta, but outside of Atlanta, what out? It was either Atlanta, Florida, or Texas. Those are. Those are probably the only states that are probably open and have a uh, yeah. a, a basketball team, yeah. an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just not surprised that they went that route of where and how they did it. I just hope this is my thing about the, the whole HBCU movement with the NBA. I just hope it doesn't get it just isn't trendy. You know what I mean? Like I just I just I hope for consistency. That's all I hope for is consistency. You know yeah, I, mean? I, I hope I hope so too. I hope that I hope that this is something that you know they they're able to you know incorporate um, that money. You know the charity the charity that it goes to is mm-hmm. if not every year HBCUs every other year, or they they find some way to tie in HBCUs into the All Star um, Weekend experience, yeah. and not just you know. Alumni from HBCU going to wherever wherever destination the All Star Game is just to go to parties. Yeah, exactly. And, social, and other social events. Mm-hmm. And also, just, and, some, and individual players, man, I, the players who just who just talk about it. I just hope they continue to be about it. I respect Chris Paul. I think what Chris Paul is doing is amazing. Um, but you know, it's just continually, continually, continue to have that 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 conversation with the youth and to let them know that you know HBC HBCUs is a definitely a a, po- a possibility and an option um you know cuz Chris Paul was talking about how and his organization is how you know you know there's young athletes are, have not like looked at HBCUs as an opportunity to you know to reach it to the next level now and you know by him promoting you know an an, an HBCU it definitely gives some of our, you know, our younger, our younger individuals in terms of thinking, hey, we can play football, basketball, whatever sport. Steph Curry, had, I think he has a golf. Um, he's having a go- holding. He's pretty much promoting a golf program in Howard at Howard. So I'm just, I just think it's dope that some of these, what these players are doing. I just hope that a lot of them fo- follow the suit, follow suit of what Chris Paul and Steph Curry are doing in terms of continue to have that that message and that voice to let these kids know that. 
you know, and HBCU is an option because, you know, we can build our schools through sports too. Yeah, go back and watch Black Magic. It came on ESPN years ago. It's very educational as to where HBCUs and athletically where they were years and years ago to where they are now and why that happened. And unfortunately, it's because these large institutions, they saw these athletes that were amazing and they changed their bylaws. Mm-hmm. You saw it at Kentucky. Kentucky is like, all right, we got to start recruiting blacks now because we want to win. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it changed the game. It's, it's crazy. But I also want black coaches to get the opportunity. That's what really yeah. upsets me. Mm-hmm. A lot of these coaches at these smaller universities, HBCUs, they're very good coaches, but they're going up against a, a serious obstacle in trying to compete when you, when you lack money, when you lack size. And it will be a blessing to see that momentum sorry, Will, shift in their favor <laughs> because, like, for example, somebody asked me, you think Coach K will win with some of these HBCU rosters? I doubt it. Look at what he's doing this year, and he's blaming, and he's so salty about it because of COVID. And I get it. I'm not saying that, that Duke mm. would be just as bad if there was no pandemic, but I'm saying he's struggling this year, and he's salty about it. But coaches uh, at these smaller universities that have a more difficult time recruiting because, again, of money, resources, whatever, they deal with it all the time. So I would love to see the tide turn in the favor of HBCUs and their coaches because, again, there's so many good coaches that we have. Uh, I mean, the coach at A&T, man, he's, he's, he's really good. I hope the opportunity to go. Uh, Brodus, Kevin Brodus at, at, um, at Morgan, yes. he, needs a, he needs a job at a bigger university. He went to Binghamton and turned him into a tournament team. It, it's going to happen. Like I said, it's coming, and I'm glad that we're going to be part of it. Definitely. Shout out to Coach Brodus, who's on the, who's on the show. Not too long ago, you gotta say that, right? You gotta shout that out, and you just can't just. Oh, ne- that part, and dog. next week we we can preview <laughs> next week if you want to. We can preview next week. Yeah, go ahead. Ray. We got a guest preview. coming on next week. Preview it, right? Yeah, Kenny Blake and the coach of Howard University will be joining us next week. He's going to be on the show from from eight o'clock to uh, <laughs> who to whatever, knows bro, to whatever. Based on how we manage it, <laughs> but. Uh, obviously, he landed the first big recruit at HBCU in some time, and it's going to be dope to to get his response on how All Star Weekend may impact his program and how now his recruiting his recruiting class may look in the future because of the exposure HBCU is getting rightfully so. That's good. That's what I'm talking look out about. for it, fam. Good preview. Tune dog. in next week. That's what I'm talking about, dog. Good job, Ray. Much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It's on to the next next segment. Dak Prescott. Got the bag. We'll discuss it after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene. The ages. Yeah, dig. Deuces. To the urban sports scene with Will T, Wole, and Ray. All right. The Dallas Cowboys and quarterback Dak Prescott agreed to a four-year, $160 million contract. $126 million is guaranteed. Uh, what are your thoughts on the deal, Will T? Uh, smart by Dak. And I also think that um, some people will say that Jerry Jones overpaid him, you know, at $40 million a year per season. But I think one of the things that um, I think people are failing to realize that, A, um, Jerry Jones is a part of the uh, committee to negotiate the NFL's new broadcasting rights. Mm -hmm. So Jerry Jones is in that room and he knows I'm pretty sure he knows they're pretty they're pretty close to pushing deals across the uh, the finish line with their broadcasting partner. So he knows that the cap will go up probably in the next year or two, and that forty 
the $40 million that he paying, that he's paying Dak Prescott per season, um, it may look like a bargain. Um, when you, when you take into consideration the new, um, TV rights and then also what other quarterbacks are going to get paid after, uh, Dak Prescott, who may not have the level of production that he, that he's reached. Ray? Dak Prescott and LeBron James. I never thought I could use those two individuals in the same picture. But here's the thing. When LeBron James leaves a franchise, you feel the impact severely. Uh... And Dak Prescott getting injured this season, the Dallas Cowboys were horrible. Mm. Now, they haven't made the playoffs, and they haven't had a whole lot of success over the last decade, just like the team here in Washington. But they were fun to watch with Dak, with Dak Prescott, especially when Amari Cooper came to town. And, of course, back his rookie season, they did make the playoffs. And it's unfortunate that they lost early on where we are, you know, that's a different discussion. But Dak proved his worth because that football team was unwatchable and <laughs> they struggled mightily without him. So he had all the leverage. We talk about boxing on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, Andre Ward said PBC has all the leverage when it comes to Terrence Crawford fighting welterweights. Well, Dak Prescott had all the leverage in these discussions because clearly the Cowboys could not do anything offensively without them, but they were one of the highest scoring teams in the league when he was on the field. So kudos to him. I just hope he comes back and he's, and he's healthy and he'll be able to stay healthy because again, it's not just good for the Cowboys, it's good for the league, it's good for the division. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's a move that needed to be happening. I thought it was hilarious when you had fans here in the area uh, for this Washington <laughs> football team that thought that Dak Prescott was an actual possibility. Um, I died laughing. I was thinking, like, you do know he's Dak Prescott. Like, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Dallas would be stupid to let him go. Um, so I, I, I expected this to happen. Um, I expected it to be a franchise or, you know, a long-term deal. He got it done. Uh, it, it definitely makes the Cowboys a better team. We like Ray mentioned. We saw what this team was last season without him. Um, I, they're far more competitive. I think that's the that's the word we're going to use. They're far more competitive with Dak Prescott. Um, every year the Dallas Cowboys are named like the favorites in the East, and it's or they're the favorites to make the playoffs or to make a deep run, and they never come to fruition. Uh, but it's not Dak's fault. Like Dak, as a quarterback of that football team, and like what Ray mentioned, since they've gotten weapons on the outside with Amari Cooper. Uh, the more notably Amari Cooper, um, they've been a better offense. So I think Dak, I think signing Dak up is, was, was essential to what they want to be in the future. You can't, again, the Cowboys are in a similar situation as many teams, uh, like in the NFC East. You can't afford, if you want to make a run at something, you can't afford to let a good one, especially like Will mentioned earlier, a quarterback leave the building as good as, as good as Dak is. I don't care if he's dealing with a, a major knee injury, what he had. A major injury, which he had last season. He's still Dak Prescott. He's a guy that is a leader of this team. He's one of the best, one of the best young quarterbacks in, in, in the game. And obviously to me, he's moved over Ezekiel Elliott as the face of the offense. So you got to keep a guy like that on the football, on the football team. Speaking of the face of the offense, what uh, I'm curious, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't have the numbers in front of you, mm-hmm. but um, I know. If I'm not mistaken, Amari Cooper got uh, his contract was what four or five years, a hundred million dollars. Yeah, he got the bag, bro. Right? Yeah, he got the bag. <laughs> and then Zeke, his contract was like ninety million dollars. So I, I'm curious, you know, just from a, a, a cap perspective, you know, is what is Dallas going to be able to keep That's the that thing. trio together? It's, to me, so this is the thing about the Cowboys. So we talked about this with you mentioned about the Washington football team. About yeah, you still gotta, you know, you're gonna have to let, you're gonna have to let certain players go if you're paying, you know, paying whoever a certain amount if you value the position or whatnot. Um, I, defensively, they're gonna take a hit. Obviously, to me, I think they're gonna take a hit defensively. They're gonna always have to build their defense in the draft. I think they, I think they're able to keep uh, the player, some of those players. I feel like the offensive line that's been like the strength of this team is the offensive line on the low. That's been a big strength of this team. I feel like that's gonna be something that that on the offensive side of the football, they're going to pay for. Like, you got the kid um Smith who plays left tackle who gets hurt a lot. I think eventually you might you won't be able to afford him. You're going to have to look elsewhere to get another left tackle. It may not it ain't going to happen next season, but it'll probably happen the year after that. I I don't know that I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can only imagine that you're able to keep 
all those individuals on the football team for 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 like at least three more years i can't imagine you, you even have them for that long you know what i'm saying and especially with zeke the way zeke is starting to play you know how they do running backs you know and they got the they got the young boy pollard on you know as his backup you know zeke plays like he did last season i wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to keep, get him out of the, out of dallas All right, now let's not pick yeah. on Zeke, baby. Look, the discussion is about Dak. I know I'm just keeping the buck. No, we, I'm saying we, we'll we can't go. Break. We can't go. We can't go on Zeke. You know why Zeke struggled last season? It was obvious he was the offense. But he's the always been no. Guy. See, 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 Ray. See, nah. See, but Zeke has always been the been the dude, though. Like he didn't. He's always been the dude that can run without that. If Dak is out or whoever, Zeke could run. He wasn't able to run the football. Like I'm just saying. Oh, I agree, but but he's clearly he's clearly got some wear and tear. Like yeah. obviously, yeah. I mean, because his rookie season, he was a workhorse. His second season, oh my god, yeah. I mean, the way Agreed. he broke tackles, I agree. And he did the same thing Ohio State. Well, that's what I'm saying. But he's clearly not the same guy for that reason because he of the position he plays. Yeah. But when, when the season started, him catching out the backfield, he was just as effective, in my opinion. It's just again. The injury to Dak occurred, and and Zeke not being the younger Zeke, mm-hmm. he couldn't be Superman. He couldn't be, and he knew it. Mm-hmm. And and if you're gonna have longevity and preserve your body, I wouldn't sacrifice for losses either. If I was him, mm. yeah. It's just it, to, to Will's point, though. I don't know if they can afford everybody. Some certain players will have to go. That's that's, that's a lot of money. That's well, a lot well of money. Will made a good point about the luxury tax. He made a good. I mean, yeah. about the um, salary cap mm-hmm. increasing over the over few, the, the the future seasons. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Jones uh, has the idea of that. Like just like Will said, everything Will said. Yes. Just rewind it, fam, and listen to what Will said. <laughs> so, are they the favorites in the East? I'll start with you, Will. Are they the favorites in the East? Nope. Um, I think the Giants are. Um, the what Giants, the hell? Uh, <laughs> Mo's gonna what? love this, go ahead, right? <laughs> No, I, I mean I'm just being, I'm just being honest. I'm being honest, right? Look, um, they didn't have Saquon Barkley. Um, <laughs> Joe Judge proved that he's an at the least he's an effective coach. Give him a full off season with his players, uh, his players already in that system, some upgrades around that roster. I still think that the Giants are a better. Um, I think the Giants are a better team than the Dallas at, the, at than the Cowboys at this point. Only for those reasons, and because we don't know simply um, Dallas's Achilles' heel last year on top of quarterback play was the defense, defense. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know how they will address the defense. Yeah. So if you're asking me right now, I'm going to go with the Giants. I would say. I wouldn't have the Giants because I just feel like the Giants are still a little inconsistent in the quarterback <laughs> situation. Um, but I would go with – I do think the Cowboys – I mean, if you – I've had to be honest. I think the Cowboys are, offensively speaking, they're the favorites. I, I won't even, like, I won't even BS it. I do like – I mean, you know, I, I love Saquon. But I think Saquon coming back from an ACL, that's going to be hard. I mean, everybody's not Adrian Peterson. That's hard. That's hard for every running back. I even know it's, – it's just hard. Um, and then we're looking at – I think Washington, depending on the upgrades, I think it's going to be between Washington and the, and the Cowboys. Um, I think the East is going to still be trash, to be honest. We think the East is going to be trash uh, because when you look at what the Eagles did, the Eagles pretty much said we're starting all over. The Giants still have question marks again when I mentioned with Daniel Jones and Saquon. I, I don't think Saquon's going to be ready till probably like ready, ready. Like and he'll be starting the season, but ready, ready to like maybe midseason. He'll hit. That's when he's going to hit stride to be the real Saquon. And then you, and then you're looking at the the Cowboys. The, to what Will's talking. The only thing about the Cowboys is the defense. We put so much money into the offense because all the money is going into the offense. That's just how it is. You're going to have to draft right defensively, and that's and that's going to be the thing. If they can't stop anybody, then it defeats the, what they do offensively defeats the purpose. So the Cowboys are in a tricky situation. But I think offensively speaking, you know, you got you got Lamb, you got you got Gallup, you got Cooper, you got Dak. Uh, Zeke. I mean, it should be easier for Zeke. I mean, they got weapons for days on the offense to make them. The, I mean, to make them the favorites. Um, if we're looking at the rosters are how the rosters are constructed today, yeah, you would probably pick the Cowboys. That's I mean, amazing. I like the point that Will made about Joe Judge. And what's interesting is you have Mike McCarthy returning for his second season in Dallas. Obviously, Riverboat Ron here. Sorry for the disrespect, brother. 
on this show. Uh, he's returning for his second season. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you just mentioned, Joe Judge. But you got to go – well, I'm sorry, not you. But I'm going to go with the defending NFC East champs for now because I think a second year for Del Rio and Riverboat Ron with the personnel that they want, Will, to you point out, a full offseason, and now they get to make even more roster moves. They're already showing that they're committed to, to building a, a sustainable winning culture here. And, and they're making great moves in terms of the front office. The, the entire culture change is a shift, a, a huge shift in the right direction. And I think right now they're in the driver's seat. Dallas right now can't prove that they can win, even with the juggernaut offense, that it hasn't resulted in wins for them. They're just a better team, a better product on the field. But they're not, and it doesn't have, as a result, they went. Washington has a defense that if Coach Wright and if adding the right pieces, especially a linebacker, can become a historical type of defense. And don't speak with Jay. I know we up against time. I know we up against time, but Ray, I do have to challenge a part of your last statement. You said Washington's improved front office. Exactly what in the front office is improved? Because if I remember correctly, Martin Mayhew was the same guy who was the GM in Detroit and things didn't necessarily uh, play out that well in Detroit. And Martin and, and uh, Herney, um, if that, I, I forgot. Right. Martin Herney. Yeah, you, you got it. You got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his track record as far as from the draft, you know, and draft of free agency isn't the greatest. So whoa, uh, he got Luke Kuechly's Cam Newton. Oh, he built a whole. He built the whole, whole defense. Yeah, he built that. Defense. Uh, Chris Gamble. I mean, he built the whole defense. Ricky Manning Jr. Dude, nah, nah, you can't say that, Will. That, like that's what I'm saying. As as a group, uh, look who drafted Megatron. Who drafted Matt Stafford? I'm just saying, like, I think as a as a group, I feel as though it's a good shift from Bruce Allen and Vinny Serrato. You come on now, you can't agree with me on that. Yes, anything is an improvement. <laughs> Me and you as the GM no, would be an improvement over Bruce Allen and Benny Serrato. Come on, man. I love it. I love it. No, we we always can't get off the hook just that easy. We're bringing Vinny, though. We always bring Vinny back, bro. <laughs> Vinny always no, comes back. Vinny ain't been here for a minute. We always bring Vinny back. Go ahead, no, y'all. No, but but no, this is this is what we were working with. Scott McLuhan, I'll throw him in there, too. That didn't last that long. I'm just saying, like, like it's, it, it, we're, we're, we're now seeing a group – that looks like they're committed to making the right decisions. Yes, you can knock any anybody on their tracker, uh, from Mike Holmgren to um, I'm trying to think of his name. And uh, well, I'll, I'll go with Thomas Dimitrov in Atlanta, well, who was with New England. Scott well, Pioli. Everybody, everybody has some blemishes, definitely. But I'm talking for this yeah, franchise. Look, look, yeah, yeah. Huge everyone, everyone has some blemishes. But I think that when we think of certain talent evaluators, a GM or um, front office executives, that some of them have more hit than strikeouts, and I think that's a pretty fair opinion. That's a pretty fair statement. Yeah, I mean, but he also went to to Martin Mayhew's. To his credit, he also went to San Francisco and helped that organization with some stuff too behind the scenes. So he did help build help build the situation in San Francisco with Kyle. Um. So and uh, and John Lynch. So he does have certain things on his track record to say okay he's he's improved even from his stint in san francisco i just think that they're, they're better in terms of an organization and just terms of the field they're better they're better run than they were in the past i don't think that's even arguable like it's it's way better like the ship is it's run differently it, and it's a it's a coach centric organization it really is a coach centric organization so ron rivera pretty much you know he i mean it's a coach centric because the coaches because the coach has the i was about to say has the final sale yeah that's what i'm saying like so he's in control. That's, yeah so he's in control so it's different it's just a different or it's a different way of what they've been doing in the past so only time will tell i mean that's the best okay. way of putting it that's the only real time real, real quick real quick real quick i asked you this in the nfc east Whose front office you gonna trust the most right now? You gonna trust Jerry Jones and and Stephen Jones in Dallas? You gonna trust Dave no. Gettleman in New York? No. Or, okay, no. so Washington has the best situation front office wise right now. I mean that's look, yeah. Dang, that's okay. tough. Okay, when that's you put it like that, and, and, and I mean no, when you look at when you put it amongst the NFC East, I think that's fair. That's a fair point. That's, that's the discussion. That's that they that's can. Who's going to win NFC? That's, that's what he has. That's, that's what I'm saying. I think Washington has the best has the best position front office wise yeah, right now. Saying a lot either. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping that year two, you know, will go 
even better for, for Coach Ron, who, I mean, he's an inspiration all he went through. So yeah. time will tell, as y'all just said. Good yeah. debate, though. Good man. debate, good man. Debate. Good debate. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Tune in iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Hey, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene. For ages. Yeah, dig. Deuces. Hey, Mega, lead us out, big homie.